Welcome to EHS on Tap. I'm your host, Shea Kumar, Editor-in-Chief of EHS Daily Advisor. This week I talked to Peter Steinfeld, SVP of Safety Solutions for Alert Media, about new research on the state of employee safety. And now, on to the interview. Alright, I'm joined today by Peter Steinfeld, SVP of Safety Solutions for Alert Media. Welcome, Peter. Great to be here. Thanks so much for having me. No problem. Uh, it's great to talk to you. Um, and before we talk about the um, state of employee safety report that Alert Media just put out, I was wondering if you could tell me a little bit about yourself and what you do with Alert Media. Yeah, absolutely. So I started in the business continuity and disaster recovery industry back in 2001. And I currently serve as the senior vice president of safety solutions at Alert Media. And I'm also the host of our podcast, which is called the Employee Safety Podcast. So in my role, I'm really fortunate to speak with hundreds of organizations every year about their employee safety, security, business continuity programs, really advising them on ways they can help keep their people just safer, more informed and connected during situations that could threaten health and human safety or business continuity. Excellent. Well, let's talk about the uh, the report. Uh, this is the second state of employee safety report that uh, Alert Media has published. Um, and it just came out, what uh, are sort of the main uh, findings of the report? Yeah, absolutely. Well, before we get into that, just for context to help the listeners, we interviewed over 2,000 full-time workers across a really wide variety of industries and up and down the organization, from executives to frontline workers and really everything in between. So the idea is that we wanted to get a sense of what employees think about their safety at work in general and not about uh, like a specific task or role. Uh, which is very traditional. Mm -hmm. So interestingly, there are quite a few workplace safety surveys out there, but they're often through the lens of management or perhaps the company and the employee voice is rather underrepresented. Um, and as I alluded to before, many of the studies that are out there really focus on a niche subset of industries or even a narrow set of jobs within that industry mm -hmm. and usually the most dangerous ones. So the goal of this study is really to encompass the voice of the employees across the spectrum and to get a pulse on how the wider workforce is feeling about workplace safety. So with that context in mind, <laughs> to answer your question, I would say that there are three primary takeaways. Um, first is that employees are experiencing more frequent and severe crises across America, coast to coast. And that was our focus, just for more context. It was uh, full-time workers in America. Mm -hmm. um, and it's crises ranging from severe weather and natural disasters, to public violence, mental health issues, economic uncertainty, and so many more. Um, now, obviously, organizations can't control when and where these events occur, but uh, interestingly, as I'm looking here, the data shows that roughly about 90% of employees believe their organizations have a responsibility to take really concrete steps to protect them from harm. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really insightful if you're thinking about whether to invest in this area. And then second, following up on that, one of the more surprising results is the extent to which many employees feel that their employer's safety efforts are just falling short in the duty of care realm. As I look at the results on my screen here, they show that it's about three quarters, like 75% of respondents said their employer's safety efforts have not been very effective. 71% said their employers are not following through on safety promises. And 65% said their employers just aren't making an active effort to improve safety training. So those numbers seem to be the reason behind this last key takeaway that I wanna share. There seems to be a really big disconnect between employees' perception of their safety at work and how they perceive their employer cares about their safety. 
So for example, 81% of the employees that we uh, interviewed said that physical safety is very important to them, but only 58% of them feel that their employers feel the same way about the employee's safety. Mm. And that's a really big disconnect. So in summary, I would just say, I think that those numbers should be really concerning to leaders because if people don't feel safe, they can't be as productive as possible. It's bad for business. Yeah. And it really goes back to Maslow's hierarchy of needs. People think about safety before anything else. If you take care of that, your people can then focus on the job and it's really a win-win. The employee is safe and the employer gets enhanced productivity. And it seems like it's more of a focus now than maybe it was 20, 30 years ago. Uh, you know, from an employee standpoint, you were kind of just happy to have a job. Now you can kind of say, well, if this company isn't going to, you know, take care of me, make sure I'm safe, I'll go somewhere that is. Absolutely. People are voting with their feet. And that actually came out in the data. People said that if my employer messes up the next time an incident occurs and doesn't communicate with me properly, I will literally think about going and looking for another job. Uh, yeah. And you mentioned communication, you know, what you know what are are people looking for in terms of communication just being clear about you know what's happened and what's going to be done about it yeah i mean communication was a big part of this um frankly people are starving for it and what they want to know is that um you know if if they want communication before an incident so in the form of better and different training that they've uh, than they've had in the past while the incident is occurring they want very clear understanding of what's going on um, and they want more frequent updates and then, of course, afterward, they want transparency. So if something has happened, why did it happen? Yeah. What are we going to do about it? How are we going to make sure it doesn't happen again? So communication was a really big theme in all of the results that we saw. And I imagine, you know, they don't want to feel like things are being kept from them or being covered up. That's right. It's Look, we're in an information age, and it's too hard to hide things. And you've got things like social media out there. If you're not con better controlling the narrative of what's going on, and by that, I don't mean hiding information. I mean sharing as much as you can, then people will absolutely go out to social media platforms and rumors will start, start spreading. Text groups will form. You have to get ahead of it. It is super important. And people will go on websites and badmouth your company. <laughs> you That's know, exactly right. Anonymously or, yes. or otherwise. Um, That's right. So how do uh, this year's results differ from last year's? Uh, well, yeah, good point. For a second consecutive year, I would say nearly half, it was about 46% or so of employees said that safety um, is a priority consideration when assessing whether or not they should stay with their employers. So we alluded to that a little bit before. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm going to vote with my feet if I don't feel safe. Um, and I think that should also be an eye opener to the leaders that are out there, that safety really matters to people. Uh, and it matters to their loved ones. This is a big point you don't think about. The loved ones often pressure them to leave jobs that are unsafe. Like, you don't need that. <laughs> Take yeah. care of your people. And yeah, then yeah. Their, their home, you know, people at home will stop bugging them to, to move on. That extra pressure goes away. Now, that being said, compared to our 2022 survey, employees are placing greater importance on compensation and benefits, <laughs> whereas safety actually preempted both of those last year. That was a shocker last year. But it actually wasn't too surprising when you thought about it. Um, you know, COVID, of course, top of mind yeah. for everyone. Yeah. But this year, inflation, fears about a recession, uh, and the fact that the pandemic is indeed largely behind us. Um, however, one key thing to mention here is that economic uncertainty, along with all these consistent worries about severe weather, public violence, and all the other threats that I was talking about earlier, they all contribute to employees' psychological safety uh, and their ability to stay focused and productive at work. 
and ultimately an employer's ability to demonstrate uh, a really thorough and lasting commitment to their employees' well-being will definitely remain a key differentiator in a competitive labor market. Keep those people from voting with their feet. And, and I mean, I guess from the employer's standpoint, uh, I mean, I don't know if we can tell from the survey, but uh, are they starting to get the message that, you know, safety and, and communicating about safety, you know, should be, you know, one of their primary objectives? Uh I don't think so. <laughs> it's getting better. Like you said, 20, 30, 40 years ago, you're just glad to have a job and the employer really focused on the corporate walls and that was it. You know, let's make sure people are safe while they're in the building. Um, and they're starting to catch on that it is more important. Um, so it's not great, but there is a silver lining. So clearly people feel that there's work to do in this area. The data absolutely show that. Uh, roughly 84% of employees say that their employers could do more to help them prepare for an emergency. And here's the silver lining, it wouldn't take much. Most people told us if their employers did just one thing differently, it would be a great improvement in their overall feeling about the company and their perception on safety. So naturally, we asked people to give us some ideas of what they wanted, and the first three all centered directly around communication, which is what you mentioned earlier. Like, what do we want around communication? And I'll kind of repeat it, but first it's frequency. So in other words, they want more communication before, during, and after those incidents. Uh, the second is around clarity. So they're saying they just aren't sure what they're supposed to do if an emergency happens or what's going on when the emergency occurs. They, they need more training uh, to understand what, what's required of them and then to know precisely what's happening then. Uh, and then lastly, we talked about it before, but it's that transparency. You know, please don't hide anything from us. Let us know what happened, why it happened, what's being done to mitigate it, uh, everything we mentioned before. Um, oh, oh, yeah, there's actually one other thing I wanted to mention here. Our research also found a, a really strong correlation between the frequency of safety training offered and an employee's ability to navigate a crisis, which means there's a clear concern being expressed there. But now what's kind of ironic is that people often roll their eyes at safety training. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but they actually want more of it. So the question is, what does that mean? And when we dug a little bit deeper, we found that um, safety leaders should really reevaluate how they deliver training instead of really long sessions that are filled with too many words and PowerPoints that you do like once a quarter or once a year, there's really a desire for shorter, bite-sized, more visual training that's much easier to digest and probably form like much more memorable for people if they see it in that way. Yeah, I definitely been have been hearing that, you know, micro learning as opposed to, you know, like you said, those sort of, you know, six, four, six hour <laughs> sessions where everybody's just oh. sort of staring at the walls. Um, you know, uh, different, also different methods, using different, you know, methods to train people, not just, you know, here, having people get talked at, you know, having it be more participatory um, and interactive. And, you know, obviously there's lots of ways to do that now with technology to make it more interesting. So um, seems like that would be more effective than just, you know, once a year getting told here's where the exits are, <laughs> you know. So. That's right. They imagine you just walk up to a group of people in an office and say, hey, this is actually just a test, but there's a guy having a heart attack in the stairwell. What do you do? Right. right. And right. It's just a quick five minute session. And wow, it's going to make them think of a whole lot of things. That's way more powerful than sitting people down once a year saying, OK, here's a list of 47 things that could happen. Let's go through what you're supposed <laughs> yeah, to do yeah, for yeah. each one. Um, you mentioned earlier, you know, the pandemic and sort of the uh, the after effects of it. Uh, you know, one big after effect has been remote work. Um, 
what what is the current state of remote work that you're seeing? Yeah, yeah, that's definitely something that's uh, been a big driver behind some of the information we're getting back. And for some context, um, nearly half of today's workforce says that the world is a more dangerous place than it was a few years ago, which isn't surprising considering mm -hmm. some of the things that have been happening, obviously. But the other thing is this, this just new way we're consuming information. It's 24 by 7 by 365 delivery of terrifying information <laughs> to all the devices that we have by our sides at all times. Uh, but also not surprising, uh, the data shows that it's almost like 90% of employees report feeling safer at home than they do in an office, which sounds pretty obvious if you think yeah. about it. Now, here's the deal. Returning workers to the office is a really high priority for a lot of employers in 2023. I think I was reading two or three articles just this morning in the Wall Street Journal where executives are talking about, hey, this whole hybrid and working from home, it ain't going to last. Mm -hmm. We're going to bring people back. But here's the warning I want to give. As they execute on these plans, it's really important to understand the deeper reasons why employees are apprehensive to return and then to address those reasons head on instead of ignoring or perhaps minimizing them. Yeah, I mean, you know, it does seem as though, you know, definitely from people I talk to, that's mostly totally anecdotal, but, um, you know, a lot of people don't want to go back, like, you know, and, and are, you know, I know like, you know, my company has talked about it and, you know, I know people that are just, you know, out and out, <laughs> you know, obstinate yeah. about it and, you know, they, they're kind of, you know, it's been three years now. So, um, you know, it's kind of like a, a, almost like a sh culture shock to go back into an office um, and sort of change that up. And, and, and obviously there are a lot more jobs now that are remote only, like they're offering that, yeah. you know, in the, you know, in the job description. Uh, and, and, you know, when people are looking, but, um, you know, I imagine, yeah, like that safety aspect, you know, we're, if you're concerned about safety in your work workplace and you have a job that allows you to, um, to work remotely, then you're going to choose that option. Um, you know, is that, is that kind of, um, sort of where you expected it to be when you kind of looked at the, you know, this year's results? Yeah, clearly people want to stay home if they can. Um, but, and of course, we didn't survey uh, from the perspective of the employer and like, why do you want to bring people back to the office? Uh, but just me anecdotally speaking about things I've read out there, I see that a lot of people say, look, yeah, got it. During the pandemic, you prove that you can do your tasks at home, but we're really missing out on those dynamic things that you just can't get over a web meeting. Uh, and that's why organizations really want to start bringing people back. So I think it's just a reality um, and you got to prepare for it. I think workers just need to accept that they're going to have to start working at least some amount of hybrid, if not go back full time. Uh, but to my point, the employers really need to think about, hey, psychologically, that's going to have a big impact on people. Now they're commuting again. Commuting is dangerous. Um, now they're leaving their four wall, the four walls of their home where they feel safe. Psychologically, that is an impact. You know. If you don't believe it's real, well, it's real for someone else. So you have to consider that as you start thinking about bringing people back in the office. Yeah. Um, and another thing that sort of, I guess, goes hand in hand with sort of so-called business normalcy is uh, business travel. Um, and, you know, what are, what are workers' thoughts about business travel and safety uh, from the report? Yeah, no, travel is definitely back. I mean, I've noticed it personally. I'm traveling more for business now. And just anecdotally speaking, the meetings I go to have more people in them yep. uh, versus like remote attendees. That's kind of weird. You show up to a meeting, you, you fly a thousand miles and half the people are remote, but that's changing. 
uh, and the conferences I attend are either right. back to pre-pandemic levels or close to them, so that's great. Um, there was also, I think it was a it was a recent Global Business Travel Association poll uh, found that about it was about 78, 80% of travel managers they actually anticipate higher or much higher uh, numbers of business trips at their companies this year compared to 2022. So when it comes to employee safety during travel, the data from our study show that an overwhelming, like 90% of workers believe their organizations have a responsibility to protect them from harm while they're working, regardless of where that is, mm. in the office, at home, or on the road. So there is that expectation that just didn't exist as little as 10 or 15 years ago. Um, now, however, our data found that about, it was about 40, 41% of people out there have never been informed of safety risks while traveling. And almost half, it was a little less, like 47%, don't know who to reach out to if they're in harm's way while they're on the road. Mm. Now, those numbers are, <laughs> are really interesting, yeah. uh, and employers should take a closer look at what they can do to bring them down. And if you don't, think about what we've been talking about. It'll be just another festering concern on people's minds as they try to do their jobs. And it's kind of exacerbated, too, because people spent so much time working from home and now they're not only having to go to an office but they're traveling out and about again right. they're just not used to it um, yeah i mean like who would have thought you know four years ago that we'd be talking about you know stuff like this you know it just it was uh you know working from home just i mean people have been doing it for a long time but you know not in the numbers that they are now um yeah what's sort of the expectation uh in terms of you know safety when you're when you're traveling what are people looking for was it was it kind of uh, did it delve into that exactly it did to a certain extent like we, we always say are you concerned about this and do you think your employer cares and they say yes we're concerned no i don't think my employer cares mm -hmm. but there's not a lot that you have to do and it mostly relates to communication just tell me like what are the expectations when i go are you going to be responsible for me right. um, if so what are you going to do what are some basic numbers that i can call things like that. That's all people need, just a little bit of communication. That's why I'm saying there's a silver lining here and that the, there's a huge disconnect, but it's easy to correct. Yeah. And it's all correctable through basic communication. Makes sense. Um, another sort of uh, topic that's come up over the last couple of years is psychological safety. Um, you know, that employees, you know, have, it definitely seems like that's another, I don't want to say new age kind of concern, but you know, again, you know, that the baby boomer audience, you know, from, you know, the seventies and eighties and nineties, you know, psychological safety wasn't really, you know, something that uh, your employer cared about, you know, you just, you, know, you had to go and do your job, but now there's an expectation. What are, how are employers uh, responding to those concerns? Yeah, no, I mean, it, it is something that's newer and mental health definitely took center stage during pandemic lockdowns and during the so-called great resignation. And I think, frankly, we have made great strides as employers in shining some sunlight on this, what was previously really a hidden or ignored issue. Um, however, roughly two thirds of our respondents actually said that their employer is just not making an active effort to support their mental health. It's not that they're doing nothing, it's just not a very active um, effort. Um, so naturally, like all the other ones, we asked them, what can employers do to fix this? And in the order of popularity, they said, uh, first is just, what do you think it is? Increase communication mm. <laughs> about safety efforts. And the reason is because they contribute to mental health well-being. 
psychological safety and physical safety are definitely interconnected and people are really eager to hear more. So that's huge. Um, next, they like more open dialogue around mental health specifically. And as I alluded to before, that did start to become a thing during the pandemic, but it seems mm. to be receding a little bit. And we need to watch that. Um, and then lastly, they want more resources around mental health. That was very clear. Um, and then there's one actually, based on what you said in the beginning, when you asked me the question, there's one surprising statistic we didn't expect to see that I want to share. Um, we actually asked employees how important it was for their employer to focus on mental health. And naturally, our hypothesis, based on what you said, was that younger workers would care the most because the older workers, they're like, ah, my employer never cared about me. Why would they <laughs> yeah, care <exactly>. about me? <laughs> <laughs> but the data didn't show that, which was mm. really exciting. Mental health is actually equally top of mind across all age demographics now. So I think that's great. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I think uh, in terms of just having that kind of knowledge that your company is, is you know, providing you with, you know, accommodations for, um, you know, your, your mental health. I mean, that's got to be a, a huge selling point. I mean, uh, you know, if you're, if you're thinking about, uh, you know, where you're going. Um, and obviously, obviously, like, you know, getting back to the remote work thing, that, that must have been pretty challenging for employers to kind of, you know, really gauge mental health because, you know, people were isolated uh, and may still be in some cases. Uh, and you didn't necessarily know, you know, what they were dealing with unless you actually like talk to them about it. So, I mean, I, I imagine that employers are, are taking a little more uh, action in terms of just making sure that especially those remote employees are, are, are doing well. Yeah, it's a smart thing to do. And I, I know during the pandemic, a lot of executives and managers were trained on saying, hey, forget the work for a minute, check on the person, mm -hmm. ask them questions, get curious, see where their head is. And if there's any problems, you don't have to be the mental health expert. Just bubble that up to HR and we'll get them the help that they need. But we need you on the front line just listening and yeah. seeing if there's any signals of a problem. Um, so, you know, I imagine uh, Alert Media is going to do another uh, survey next year because uh, it's, you know, you've got some a body of work here to, to build on. Are there any, have any thought been given to new areas of focus for next year or are there any that you'd like to see kind of additionally covered? You know, I, I, we're always evaluating what's important out there, looking at trends, you know, clearly with the pandemic that caused us to look into certain things. So we'll see how things uh, pass over this coming year. And we'll definitely incorporate the themes that are out there into the next survey. But we do want to maintain that kind of common base so we can compare things year after year, like that idea that compensation and benefits were not as important as safety last year. But that flipped a little bit. Safety is still at the top. Uh, but it's not quite as, as high as those other things. And that's because of what's going on in society right now. So we'll just kind of watch over the next, call it uh, seven to nine months, um, and then formulate our questions based on that, trying to maintain some kind of consistency to so show year over year change as well. Nice. And so and where can people um, get a copy of the, uh, of the report? Yeah, it's easily accessible at alertmedia.com. You can just go to our resources section and you'll see the, uh, the report in there. Well, Peter, I want to thank you so much for joining me today. This has been great. Fantastic. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity to share all this great information. And we really encourage people to go download the report. It's The reason why is because if you're in safety and security, oftentimes it's difficult to get funding uh, for this discipline. 
Um, and you can tug on the heartstrings of your executives with anecdotal stories, but you can tug on the purse strings if you're able to give them empirical evidence. Yeah, and that's what yeah. this report provides. Nice. All right. Well, thank you. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. That wraps up episode 152 of EHS on Tap. You can find more information about the show and listen to on-demand episodes at ehsdailyadvisor.blr.com. You can subscribe to the show wherever you get podcasts. Thanks for listening, and I hope you join me next time. Thank you.